Hey everybody, welcome back. So we're gonna start in um, chapter four, sorry, on tissues on page 65. And I'm gonna go ahead and be honest with you from the beginning. The best way that I remembered this was to draw pictures. I don't know how you are about drawing. I'm not the best, but it's the best way for me to remember things sometimes. So when it's talking about different types of tissue cells, uh, such as the squamous cuboidal columnar, it's going to really help you memorize if you can draw these out. So, all right, we're going to start on page 65. And in the very, very beginning, we are going to refer back to the fact of tissues form organs. So we're just a step up from cells. Cells was chapter three. Now we're in tissues. So we have to know what kind of cells hold these tissues together so that these tissues can form organs. Okay, so introduction to tissues. The four main kinds of tissues that compose the body's many organs are epithelial, connective, muscle, and nervous. So epithelial tissue forms sheets that cover or line the body. Connective tissue provides structural and functional support. Muscle tissue contracts to produce movement, and nervous tissue are going to be sensing, conducting, and processing information. And it's going to get a little bit deeper into it over here. So now I'm going to start with matrix. And matrix is kind of jelly-like. It's the fluid between the cells. Epithelial tissues have a little bit of matrix because they're closer together. It's mostly in connective tissue. And matrix is a free-flowing uh, substance except for in blood clotting. Proteoglycans link cells and absorb shock and provide lubrication. Collagen is a protein that forms rope-like twists. Elastin gives tissue the ability to stretch. Epithelial tissues are closer together, like we said, so they're not going to have as much matrix. And layers of cells and epithelium are directly linked to its function, just like we talked about in cells. So a lot of this is going to be a repeat. You're going to hear a lot of the same thing, but it's just going to help you learn it even more. So extracellular uh, matrix is meaning outside. And the extracellular matrix in the blood is called plasma, which you can donate. So, I'm going to run down to epithelial tissue. Trying to get my notes together. Okay, epithelial tissue covers the body in many of its parts. It also lines various parts of the body because they're packed so close together. There's little to no intercellular material between them and they form continuous sheets that contain no blood vessels a sheet of epithelial tissue is called epithelium so now we're going to get a little bit deeper into the shape of cells and this is going to sound super confusing because a lot of these words sound the same they kind of rhyme but they don't they're not that bad if you can draw them out so the shapes of cells are squamous cuboidal and columnar so when we say squamous these cells are flat and scale like so squamous squashed they're flat and this is the top of page 67 you're looking at the same thing i am so cuboidal cells are as tall as they are wide like a cube it's in the name and columnar cells are taller than they are wide just like a column it's in the picture so the term transitional refers to a tissue with shell shapes that change when the tissue is stretched and we're going to get that a little bit later a couple more pages over so the arrangement of cells is also important simple means a single layer of cells of the same shape and stratified is going to be many layers of cells named for the shape of the cells in the outer layer.
The number of layers in the cells of an epithelium is directly related to its function. This is like the third time I've read this. It must be important. It's in here. So following the principle of structure fits function. There that is again. Okay, so simple epithelium. We are going to read, still on page 67, epithelium that consists only of a single layer of cell is called simple epithelium. The single layer allows materials to pass through the epithelium easily, and it's found wherever efficient transport of materials cross the epithelium. That's important. So simple squamous epithelium. Simple meaning singular layer, one layer, and squamous meaning flat. So one layer of flat cells. Um, this is the thinnest type of epithelium, and it's especially well suited for rapid transport of substances across the epithelial membrane. For example, absorption of oxygen into the blood takes place through the simple squamous epithelium that lines the tiny air sacs of the lungs. All right, so moving down to simple cuboidal epithelium, we're going to break that down. Simple meaning a single layer of the same shape, cubes epithelium so single one cubed and skin one layer of cubed cells okay so it's a single layer of cells that are on average as high as they are wide and this tissue forms tubules or other structures adapted for secretory activity or sec secretory they're going to secrete things okay so glands of the body may be classified as exocrine if they release their secretion through the a duct or as endocrine if they are to release their secretion directly by diffusion into the bloodstream. So exocrine, we're going to say it's going to go out, exit the body through a duct, and endocrine is going to stay in your body, and it's going to go through diffusion into the bloodstream. Okay, over on page 68, examples of glandular secretions include saliva, digestive juices, sweat, and hormones. And simple cuboidal epithelium also forms the tubules that are involved in production of urine in the kidneys. So simple columnar epithelium can be found in the lining of the inner surface of the stomach, intestines, and some areas of the reproductive and respiratory tracts. And simple columnar meaning one thin layer of column-shaped cells. Uh, the open spaces among the cells are called goblet cells, which produce mucus. And the regular columnar size or columnar-shaped cells specialize in absorption. So when you hear goblet, you can think of um, the old cups. Back in the day, they were actually called goblets, so it's, it looks like a cup. It's a space um, that's going to hold um, mucus. It's going to produce mucus. Okay, so now we're going to go on a stratified epithelium. And this gets um, a little bit more confusing, but we're not going to be in simple anymore. It's going to be stratified, and stratum means layer, so it's going to be more than one. So we just went from simple to a little bit more complicated. When epithelium is made up of more than one layer, it is called stratified. Stratum means layer. So stratified squamous epithelium is going to be stratified. Uh, it's going to consist of several layers of closely packed cells in an arrangement that makes tissue especially adept to protection. Uh, most microbes cannot work their way through a barrier of stratified squamous tissue, such as that which composes the surface of the skin and mucous membranes. So this one way of preventing infection is to take care of your skin like don't let your lips get cracked um, and protect your body against you know cuts and scratches so we know that stratum means layer so stratified cuboidal epithelium is more stacks of cubed shaped cells so in some glands cuboidal epithelium occurs in more than one layer giving a rise to stratified cuboidal epithelium and this type is found in the lining of sweat glands and glands that secrete saliva, so in your mouth. 
<clears throat> transitional epithelium it, underneath this title, stratified transitional epithelium. It's typically found in the body organs that need to expand and must be able to stretch. In instances, up to 10 layers of differently shaped cells of varying sizes are present in the absence of stretching. So when stretching occurs, the epithelial sheet expands and the number of cell layers decreases. The shell shape changes from a roughly cuboidal to nearly almost flat in appearance. So if you have a a balloon that you've blown up just a little bit and it's you know pretty taut, it's going to be full of air. If you take your fingers and kind of push it down and squish it a little bit, it's going to kind of move out to the sides. It's going to kind of push out to the side. So this is an example of stratified transitional epithelium. It needs to stretch, so it's going to use the space that it can. It's going to go to the side. Um, this is an ex an example of this is in the urinary bladder. The ability to transition epithelium of transitional epithelium is to easily stretch without damaging the bladdering wall or tearing it as urine fills the bladder. Okay, so pseudostratified columnar epithelium is going to be a little bit easier for you to remember. So pseudo means fake. Um, so pseudopod columnar epithelium is, um, it's going to be found in your windpipe and your trachea. And each cell actually touches the glue-like basement membrane that lies under all epithelial tissues. So this is why it's called pseudo or false is because if you're looking at the picture on page 71, there's a pretty thick layer underneath the columnar cells and it looks like part of the columnar cells and it's not. It's actually a basement membrane. So this is what gives it the name pseudo or fake. So pseudo stratified um, columnar epithelium. Okay, moving on to connective tissue. Um, connective tissue is the most abundant and widely distributed tissue in the body. It also exists in more varied forms other than tissue types. It's found in skin, membranes, muscles, bones, nerves, and all internal organs. And it's actually um, delicate, paper-thin, and has webs that hold the internal organs together and gives them shape. But it also exists as a strong, tough cord, um, rigid bones, and even in the form of fluid, blood. So the functions of connective tissue are as varied as its structure and appearance. It connects tissues together and supports a framework for the body as a whole and for individual organs. So I'm going to move over to cells and matrix. I'm still at the bottom of page 71. Connective tissues differ from epithelial tissue in an arrangement and a variety of its cells and in the movement and kinds of extracellular matrix found between its cells. The chemical makeup of matrix and distribution of fibers determines the qualities of each type of connective tissue. So, for example, blood is a liquid. However, other types have, um, you know, cartilage is a consistency of like firm rubber. Bone would be hard and rigid. And a num large number of regular arrangement of fibers and tendons and ligaments make them strong and flexible. So the types of connective tissue, I'm going to go over to page 72, would be fibrous or connective proper and underneath that is going to be loose fibrous or areolar tissue adipose tissue which is broken down into white and brown reticular dense fibrous which is broken down into regular and irregular then you have bone compact and cancellous bones hyaline fiber cartilage and elastic is under cartilage you have blood and you have hematopoietic tissue so this is kind of confusing and the best thing that i figured out how to do <clears throat> was to take it and kind of turn it into their own little headers make them a little bit break it a little bit down down a little bit more so all my notes that i have sent out um to the group me we see that i'm going to go over here i'm going to start with loose fibrous 
connective tissue or areolar tissue is the most widely distributed and it is the glue that helps keep the organs together. It consists of webs and fibers and cells in a matrix of soft sticky gel. It contains collagen which is a strong flexible fibrous protein and elastin which are fibers that helps tissue return to shorter length after being stretched. Fascia also helps bind the skin, bones, muscles, and other organs together. I would Google that because that's pretty cool. Okay, so adipose tissue is underneath fibrous connective, and this is going to be broken down into white and um, brown. So under white, we see when numerous vesicles filled with lipids, they enlarge and push the rest of the contents aside. And when they're filled with, filled with lipid storage, they have more of a whitish um, appearance, which is why they're called the white adipose tissue. And adipose meaning fat. So triglycerides move into storage after a meal and out of storage when energy is needed in these white adipose tissues. Um, brown is the type of adipose tissue that burns its fuel when the body is cold to produce heat and shivering will help to restore homeostasis. And all types of adipose tissue also secrete hormones to regulate metabolism and fuel storage in the body. Okay, moving on to reticular tissue. It means net-like and it's found in bone marrow, lymph nodes, and it aids in developing cells of the immune system. It helps support cells of blood forming hematopoietic tissue. Okay, dense fibrous connective tissue consists of strong white collagen fibers packed closely and there's two types there's a regular dense fibers connective tissue and there's an irregular dense fibers connective tissue i'm going to start with regular it's arranged into roughly parallel rows it makes up tendons and it strengthens that flexibility it cannot stretch irregular is arranged into chaotic swirls tangles or bundles it allows skin to stretch a little and overstretching is what is going to cause stretch marks it provides a protective sac around the eyeball and kidney so irregular is what you're going to find when you have maybe had a baby, you got some stretch marks, it's because your body did a little bit more than what it was planning on doing and um, pulled those irregular dense fibers connective tissue. All right, so we're going to move on to bone. And I am now on page 74 at the top. Matrix of bone is hard, dense packaging of collagen bundles encrusted with mineral crystals or calcium and their storage for calcium. So they provide support and protection, and they have solid outer walls that are compact bone. And by compact bone, we mean structural building blocks of osteons and haversian systems. Cancellous bones are spongy bones. It's the inside, and it's lattice-shaped, and it forms hollow spaces. These are just as hard as compact bone, but only meant to support the compact bone. And so they kind of looked at it as um, lattice-shaped. If you've ever seen lattice under someone's house, it's just kind of like Swiss cheese. Um, okay, so now I'm going to move on to cartilage. The matrix is a consistency of firm plastic or gristle-like gel, and cartilage cells are called chondrocytes. Chondrocytes give the appearance of Swiss cheese, so there's another Swiss cheese example. Hyaline cartilage um, is a moderate amount of collagen in its cells, giving translucent appearance, and hyaline means glass, so hyaline means you're going to be able to see through it. So I would imagine standing outside and saying hi, you're going to be able to look through the glass, hyaline cartilage. Most common cartilage in the body, and it's found in support rings of respiratory tubes and and covering the ends of bones that form joints. So you could probably YouTube this, and I guarantee it's going to be pretty cool because we all know um, from pictures what they look like, but it's even cooler to see it in videos and how everything works together. So fiber cartilage is also under cartilage. It's the strongest and most durable. The matrix is rigid and densely packaged of collagen fibers, and fiber cartilage discs serve as shock absorbers. Um, so when you um, have when these are inflamed, you'll hear a lot of older people say they have fibromyalgia. 
Um, okay, so elastic cartilage has few collagen fibers. The matrix material is highly flexible, and it's found in the external ear and voice box, which is your larynx. So that's how we're getting to speak. All right, so blood tissue, the matrix is blood plasma. The transportation and protective functions, um, they have both. And they these are going to have red blood cells and white blood cells as and platelets that are the most common. Okay, hematopoietic tissue. Um, Blood-like connective, connective tissues found in the red bone marrow cavities of bones and in the spleen, tonsils, and lymph nodes. And these are responsible for the formation of blood cells and lymphatic system cells. Okay, so I'm going to go over to intro um, of muscle, intro to muscle tissues. I'm sorry, I'm on page 75 now. So they're movement specialists. They have higher contractibility. They control body heat. They are slow to heal and they're replaced by fibrous scar tissue. So these are going to be your functions, if you will, of your muscle tissues. And your muscle tissues are broken down into three types. You have skeletal, cardiac, and smooth. And these are not hard to remember. So skeletal muscle tissue is going to be striated and voluntary. So when they say striated, they mean, you can think of it this way. There's a picture at the bottom of page 75. Or if you were looking at a cadaver, muscles look like they have lines in them. I mean, you can even look at um, if you've had steak before you start to grill it. There, You can see the lines that you can cut down. And they're, they're striated. This is what this means. Okay, so, and then by voluntary, meaning you control with your mind what you're going to move, the skeletal muscle tissue. So having multiple, they have multiple nuclei per cell. They have a banded appearance. And they can, uh, we control these contractions. So they are voluntary. They're also called muscle fibers, and they are attached to bone. So moving on to cardiac muscle tissue. When you hear cardiac, you're going to think heart. And this is our involuntary. You do not sit around all day and say, it's time to pump my heart. It's time to pump my heart. It's time to pump my heart. Because you would be doing it so often, you wouldn't be able to do anything else. So the good Lord created you to have an involuntary muscle tissue for cardiac. This forms the walls of the heart, and it is involuntary. We do not control our heart muscles. They are faint, striated, crossed, called intercalated discs, if you're looking at them through a microscope. And they branch to produce three-dimensional interlocking mass of tissue. So this is what's going to keep your heart beating, and this is going to keep you alive. And so the next we have a smooth muscle tissue or visceral, and it is involuntary. Involuntary meaning we do not control this. We It is just going to happen. Um, so they are usually long, narrow fibers, and they have a single nucleus. And they form um, blood vessels in the, um, I'm sorry. Form calls of blood vessels. These are going to consist of long, narrow fibers, and they're going to have a single nucleus. So these are going to be found in your blood vessels, your intestines, and other tube-shaped organs. They're really, really soft because you want to think of, imagine if the inside of your blood vessels are really hard and rough, and you were passing delicate cells through there, it would tear them up. You would not be living very long. The same goes for your intestines. If you had a really rough intestinal lining and you were eating food, that just wouldn't probably work out very well. You're not going to be able to absorb nutrients and do things that way. Um, so the contraction of these move blood and aid in digestion, and contraction of these in the lungs can cause an asthma attack. 
So if you have teeny tiny blood vessels in your lungs and they start contracting, this is going to make it hard for you to breathe. That's how an asthma attack happens. There's also not a word in here that I was kind of disappointed about, but a word that you're going to need to know eventually is peristalsis. And we're gonna, I'm sure we'll probably learn that in the, in the digestive system, but this is another example of smooth muscle. Um, and it's going to be in your intestines when you are sitting for a long time after you've eaten a meal and your intestines aren't really pushing things through. You're not really digesting things very easily. It's because you're sitting really still and it's making your peristalsis slow. So peristalsis is the involuntary movement of things through your digestive tract. And so if you are kind of constipated, they might tell you to do a little bit of exercise, get around and move because it's going to get that peristalsis working and it's going to push things through your body a little bit quicker. So that's a cool word to know and would be kind of interesting um, to relate it to this involuntary muscle, you know, that's going to push things through your body. So we're going to move on to nervous tissue and this is the last part of this and nervous tissue is providing rapid communication to maintain homeostasis. There's two kinds. There's neurons, which are nerve cells, and connecting cells, which are glia or neuroglia. These are characterized by one cell body and two processes, and an axon transmits away, and a dendrite transmits towards. So axon away and dendrite towards. And I'm going to run to the end of this chapter, and I'm going to look real quick. And nervous tissue is going to be what works towards homeostasis. I think we said that. So I would look at the table four or three if you want a small breakdown of the uh, muscle and nervous tissues and then again I will always say it I think you should look at the summary at the back of the book do the review questions the chapter test and um, good luck <laughs>